livens things up a little bit, you know? You can be like our Baptist brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Today, uh, the, re- the readings are very relevant, very um, fitting in light of the imminent canonization uh, of Mother Teresa. And um, she is a, she's a very uh, wonderful, powerful uh, woman, uh, an amazing saint right now, and she'll be known starting next Sunday as Saint Teresa of Calcutta. And so I'd like to speak about her a little bit today. I think uh, to sort of sum up the message here in a, just a nutshell is that we need to, uh, as we sung in our responsorial psalm, make a home for the poor. God makes a home for the poor. We, in imitation of God, need to make a home for the poor. Now, we do that through our material support of the poor. And we spoke in these past Sundays about the precepts uh, of the church, one of which was uh, giving money to the church, but uh, also to social causes and charitable causes and to, to take care of the poor. So we can do that uh, in, a, in a literal sense, and we need to do that. Um, but Mother Teresa's message was, was that, but it was also something deeper as well. What Mother Teresa taught was that the poor um, are all around us. They're everywhere we look. There's a different kind of poverty that we as human beings experience. Uh, there's material poverty, but there's also a poverty of love. People who are lacking that wealth of love, of respect, of companionship, and it's to that sort of poor that we need to be especially sensitive. And so that's kind of the the summation here of my homily. But I'll get in and talk about how we we see these sorts of this virtue and this message lived out concretely in the life of Mother Teresa. She was born in 1910 in Albania, a relatively middle class family. Okay, so she didn't come from poverty herself, but. Her father died when she was only eight years old. Um, her, both her parents were very devout. She had it in her heart to become a religious sister from uh, her earliest days. And when she was 18, she joined um, uh, a religious order called the Sisters of Our Lady of Loreto. She was only 18. She left her mother and her sister behind and was never able to see them again, actually, for the rest of her life. Um, probably they corresponded through letters, but just... Physically, they couldn't see each other. She went to India, and she became a teacher in this religious order. Now, we know that eventually she would go on to found her own religious order that was dedicated not to teaching but to serving the poor. And so how how did that take place? Well, it took place primarily through a very special, supernatural uh, call that she received when she was 36 years old in in 1946. Uh, But before that special call... Um, There were indications and hints in her life as a sister in this community, the the Sisters of of Our Lady of Loretto, that would indicate that future um, vocation uh, of hers. Uh, And so here's a little example from her her life. She would teach uh, Monday, probably through Saturday, at least Monday through Friday. On Sundays, uh, she would attend Mass with her religious congregation. But then afterwards, she'd go out and she'd minister to the poor. Uh, in the slums of Calcutta in India. And um, she tells a story in one of her journals. She, she takes journals all throughout the course of her life, and so we have access to these journals. And she says, you know, I went to this um, uh, place, like a slum area, and there were 12 families all living together, 12 families. And each family had a single room 
they lived in one room, so one room per family. So there were 12 like apartments, basically, all clustered together. And she went into one of these houses, one of these rooms for this family. She said the door was so narrow she could hardly get in. And each one of these rooms was about six feet by five feet. So we're talking an entire family in a space that's constricted. She says she could not stand upright. That's how low the ceiling in one of these apartments was. Uh, and Mother Teresa was only five feet tall. <laughs> so that the ceiling had to be four and a half feet tall. I mean, think about the constricted space. Total darkness. There was no light in any of these rooms. And there was a mother who had tuberculosis and all her children were with her. And she didn't have much to give them in by way of medical attention, but uh, her presence lightened their day. And when she left, the mother said, uh, said to her, um, in a very British, you know, they were, uh, it's kind of the British influence, Ma, Ma, please come again. Uh, you have brought sunshine into this, into this room, into this house. And uh, when she left, she, uh, in her journal, she prays this prayer. She says, Lord, give me strength to be always the light of their lives, the lives of the poor, and so lead them to you. And we can see this burden that she has for the poor early on, even before. This was uh, about 10 years, actually, before she would head off and start her own religious congregation specifically dedicated to the poor. Um, you know, in all this theme of light and darkness, another kind of a beautiful thing is she says, a famous quote from her, she says, If I ever become a saint... I will surely be one of darkness. I will be continually absent from heaven to light the light of those in darkness on earth. And so here she is. She's about to become uh, uh, declared a saint. And uh, if, you know, for all of those who experience the darkness of poverty, poverty of every kind, the material poverty, but also, again, the poverty of a lack of love, Mother Teresa is a special saint who is attracted to that darkness. And she comes, and she is a special intercessor who brings the light of God's grace and love into that into that darkness. Um, well, uh, when she was 36, as I said, in 1946, she received this, what she called a call within a call, to serve, and again, these are quotes from her, famous quotes, the poorest of the poor. And uh, she, she believed that she could not really fulfill this uh, calling in her current congregation. She asked to be released from her current congregation. Her bishop eventually gave her permission. It took a lot of time. It took actually a few years. It was about two or three years. She had to kind of convince her bishop that this was a legitimate endeavor. Uh, and she had a very favorable standing in her original congregation. It wasn't like she was a black sheep. She was, she was very highly regarded. Um, but she felt she needed to move on and found her own religious congregation. So she did that. And in 1950, uh, she, uh, her religious congregation was officially recognized. It was given diocesan status, meaning it was under the authority of the local bishop, but not the pope. And uh, she started with just 13 members of her religious congregation. They were her former students. And one of the first things they did is they opened a house for the dying in Calcutta at that time. The hospitals were overflowing, and the people who were regarded as hopeless cases were just put on the streets and left to die. Okay, they were just, so you'd walk down the streets of Calcutta and you'd find people literally lying in the gutters and they're just dying. They're being eaten by worms and they're starving to death and they're ready to die. So mother and her sisters would take these people 
and wash them and bring them to a hospice and try to give them a dignified uh, death. And they would give them love. That was the most important thing that they gave them was love. Uh, they opened eventually in 1955, I'm sorry, a little bit uh, earlier than that, home for lepers, leprosy, Hansen's disease. So they would deal directly with lepers and then also orphans. So those are kind of the three big things that they did was hospice work, lepers, working with lepers, and orphans. And uh, in uh, by the 60s, during the 60s, they had uh, religious houses that were dedicated to that service all over India. Um, and then in 1965, they opened their first religious house dedicated to that sort of work outside of India in Venezuela. And then during the 70s, they continued to open up house after house after house and they spread all over the world. And so if you think about this, it's amazing because it's a very large religious uh, congregation. They began just 66 years ago. They're called the Missionaries of Charity. They started with 13 members just 66 years ago. Today, they are the seventh largest religious order in the world. Uh, and they have over 5,000 sisters present in 120 countries. They run orphanages. They minister to people with AIDS. Uh, they care for refugees, the blind, disabled, uh, the elderly, alcoholics, poor and homeless, lepers, victims of floods, epidemics, over and so on. Bringing God's, bringing material provision to these poor people, but more importantly, bringing God's love to them. And Mother Teresa died in 1997. Uh, and she'll be canonized next Sunday. Uh, in 1979, she received uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. And during her acceptance speech, uh, she talked about a particular incident that she would repeat over and over again in, in various contexts and settings, a story that really kind of sums up things for her and her ministry. She says, We picked up a man from the drain, half-eaten with worms, uh, in, in other versions of the story, she says that his whole body was full of maggots, except for his face. That was the only thing that was not full of maggots. And we brought him to the home. Now, the man, this is the man's own words. He says, I have lived like an animal in the streets, but I am going to die like an angel, loved and cared for. <clears throat> And Mother Teresa goes on and say, it was so wonderful to see the greatness of that man who could speak like that, who could die like that without blaming anybody, without cursing anybody, without comparing himself to anyone else or anyone else to him. This is the greatness of our poor people, she says. Mother Teresa's deeper message, though, was that the poor can be found everywhere, that we suffer in general from a poverty of love. And so she tells another story. She says, recently a man met me on the street. He said, please some, send someone to my house. My wife is half mental. She means she's losing her mind. And I'm half blind. And we are longing to hear the sound of a human voice. They were well-to-do people. They had everything in their home. Yet they were dying of loneliness, dying to hear a loving voice. How do we know someone like that is not next to our house? Do we know who they are, where they are? Let us find them, and when we find them, love them. Today, God loves the world so much that he gives you, he gives me to love the world, to be his love to be his compassion. It's so easy to talk about the poor of other places. Very often, we have the suffering. We have the lonely. We have people old, unwanted, feeling miserable, and they're near us. 
Tuberculosis and cancer are not the greatest diseases. I think a much greater disease is to be unwanted, unloved. So, my brothers and sisters, takeaway message for today. Let's make a home for the poor. And that begins, that, that home that we build, it begins in our own hearts. And we do this by accepting the experience of our own poverty. Okay? We might have, uh, we might be losing the, the wealth of youth. We might be losing the wealth of health. We might experience the loss of favor and esteem and social acceptance by others. We might experience these sorts of poverty. And this is actually a way that God allows us to be able to sympathize with the poor. Okay, So this is God building a home for the poor in our own hearts if we cooperate with that experience of suffering and loss. Now, I was very, very happy, overjoyed when I came to St. Joseph the Worker Parish and I found that the grace of being mindful of the poor has been given to us. Uh, we have uh, what's called caring calls. Uh, there are a whole team of people who write cards, who do house visitations. There's a prayer shawl team. We're very mindful of the shut-ins uh, and of the lonely who are amongst us, but by God's grace are not lonely because they know their love. We reach out to them. This is a grace of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us, and I can only encourage us to cooperate with that grace all the more. Uh, and how do we do that? Well, we appreciate the, the experiences of suffering and loneliness that we go through. And we understand that this is God's way of helping us open our hearts to others who are experiencing uh, suffering. And uh, so, my brothers and sisters, let us thank God for St. Teresa of Calcutta. In every generation, God raises up saints to give us examples uh, of how to live out the gospel. And we can thank him today for St. Teresa of Calcutta, who is a near contemporary of ours. And it's through her that the Lord has taught us to make a home in our hearts for the poor.